Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai in the next episode of the Ecom Show. And I'm very glad to have uh, Ruman here today, who is from uh, Bulgaria and he helps Shopify stores and store owners to maximize and, and increase their revenue from their existing uh, website traffic. So, hey Ruman, it's great to have you here and please uh, tell us more what you do exactly. Hi Daniel, thanks for having me. Well, I... Just like you said, I help store owners increase their revenue. But I don't do that through more traffic, but I help their existing traffic find their way to what they need. Find it to, uh, to the products or understand how actually the site works and why are these products useful to the people so that they can uh, actually put them in the cart and actually check out. Because there are many websites who don't answer basic questions that people usually ask mm-hmm. about the product. Will it fit me? Am I going to use that actually after I order it? What color is it? And so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. And um, because I think many store owners are good um at Facebook ads and and generating traffic, but they don't care as much about uh, the website conversion. And uh, same with email marketing, actually, what what my agency um, does. And uh, what do you think? What are the most common things what they miss and nuances what they don't know? And and you open um, their eyes that should be aware of these things. It's interesting that you say that uh, they're good at traffic, but they don't know uh, or don't pay attention to the website. I'm doing a research project on the Shopify community forums. So there are plenty of people who say, I've got tons of traffic, but no conversions. And when you see their website, you understand why, because they don't understand what actually the people need. But they manage to actually... uh, gather some attention so that people clicked. So Mm -hmm. turns out that the first hurdle that store owners pass is generating traffic. The second hurdle is actually getting that traffic more interested once it's on the website. So if I have to generalize and put it in one sentence, most of the people don't actually know what the true needs of their customers are and that's reflected in the website and every other problem you're going to see on the website which is summed up in uh, low conversions is actually a symptom of that not knowing their audience Mm -hmm. yeah and uh, i uh, have a concept which is called uh, good clicks and bad clicks and it applies, I think, on the website for ads and for email marketing as well. That uh, even if your click-through rate is high, then uh, it it matters a lot, even more, 
it matters if those are good clicks or bad clicks. So maybe you are great at uh, grabbing attention of people with your ads or, or with your email subject lines and people will click and go further, but nobody will uh, actually buy. And simply because you are great at getting bad clicks, you grab their attention, they go further, but they are not, they, they don't become interested or, or you misled people by the subject line or the ad copy. So um, how do you distinguish between good clicks and mm -hmm. bad, bad clicks? Can you distinguish yeah. that uh, before people landing on the website? Yeah, yeah. So I still don't know how to do that. Uh, probably you should check, um, you should um, compare the number of open rates uh, or, or click rates for ads uh, and on the website, compare it to the number of purchases because it's better to have only 20 clicks but uh, 10 uh, buyers than having 100 clicks and zero buyers. So that's the difference between good clicks and bad clicks. Um, I heard this from uh, Ryan Dice, I think, or some digital marketer guy. And I really like this concept, especially today when uh, digital marketers are um, very number driven. Um, I, I think it, it gives a good perspective. Or... Um, in many cases, I talk with e-commerce people and uh, they tell me that my um, the conversion of the website is great. People go to the checkout and they add a lot of products to their carts, but nobody buys. So and then <laughs> It's not good conversion then. It's a exactly. good conversion of the first one, two, three steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get bad clicks, in my opinion. What, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, I'm still wrapping my head around that concept. I don't think in terms of clicks, I think in terms of funnels. So mm -hmm. uh, many store owners are good at driving traffic. We concluded that already. But once that traffic hits the next step, mm -hmm. usually the next step doesn't make any sense. And that's when mm -hmm. uh, people don't click because, okay, mm -hmm. you promised me something, but now I don't see the same copy on the website or I don't mm -hmm. see the same product, yeah. or I cannot recognize, uh, yeah, yeah. was this what I clicked on? Uh, wasn't it an ad for something else? So that confusion breaks the flow of the traffic through the funnel. Mm -hmm. And my job usually is first to see which is the step that is going to benefit the most from looking further in, uh, optimizing it, and uh, looking into details of it mm -hmm. and then zoom in on that because what i've noticed first uh, beginner store owners don't have the concept of a funnel so not thinking in funnels they cannot analyze yeah. their website yeah, yeah. Uh, as a whole system and they think of it as a piece by piece we're going to do that page we're going to fix that page oh the the home page is slow what if just 10% of your traffic actually landed on your homepage. Why optimize it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and a few episodes ago with uh, Roop, uh, one of our guests, um, he told me that many e-commerce store owners, especially at the six-figure uh, level, 
they uh, for for them the main numbers are the Facebook ad uh, numbers like uh, CPC, CPM, uh, everything with letter C. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> you know, so these these numbers, while the main numbers are on the website, not in the email software, not in the ad exactly. uh, but conversion and sales happens on the website and that's the closest uh, place to the fire let's say so yeah they should check uh, those things and of course the ad numbers are important the email numbers are important but uh, those are just um, i don't know like legs of your business basically but uh, not the main there body. is another problem with the numbers on the website mm-hmm. because they actually are made up of many other small numbers. And yes, Mm -hmm. it's good to monitor them, but unless you know how to unpack them and know what actually makes your conversion rate this or what is responsible for your revenue and actually see all the elements that contribute to it, you cannot fix your problem. So even if you notice that the conversion rate is going down, what should you do? and where mm-hmm. to look for help. Because if you don't know what conversion rate is based on, and in most uh, analytics software and uh, the dashboards of e-commerce uh, platforms, the conversion rate you're seeing is the average conversion rate of, all the, of, the, of the whole funnel. But mm-hmm. revenue is not equally split because you have revenue coming from email subscribers who are landing on the website, but they behave differently. You have revenue coming from Facebook that behaves differently. You have organic traffic that also behaves differently and so Mm -hmm. on. So until you start looking at conversion rate per channel, Mm -hmm. that final conversion rate number is uh, pretty misleading. Yeah. That's just a big average number and it doesn't tell you much. Especially yeah, and, uh, there is another problem. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you heard of the concept of leading and lagging metrics? Uh, not really. Tell us more. So revenue is a lagging metric. At the end of the month, you made $100,000. But you know that at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But traffic is somehow a leading metric. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, if you manage to see um, leading metrics are not trying to put it in simple terms, uh, the leading metrics are not close to the fire, but their increase may signify a change in the lagging metrics. And the, the better you know your system, the better you know the relationships inside, you know that uh, more traffic from the right source is going to result in more sales. So mm-hmm. you can, uh, for example, aim to send four email campaigns knowing that your list is 10,000 uh, subscribers strong and you know the conversion rate of that channel. So you mm-hmm. can forecast some revenue. But mm-hmm. until you hit the four campaigns, uh, working on hitting the four campaigns can be almost a guarantee, not certainly, but almost, for the revenue. But looking 
at the end, just the revenue, uh, it's not very useful because the revenue doesn't tell you what to do. But when you start designing um, leading indicators, leading mm-hmm. metrics, you can actually start optimizing them and see how they affect the logging metrics that you actually care for, which are mm-hmm. the revenue and the profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, um, and so, so you are saying also that uh, the leading metrics they always indicate the lagging metric, uh, how they will perform as well. And, uh, uh, if you find the proper re- proper relationship to them, uh-huh. yes. Yeah. So if I know that e- uh, email marketing brings me um, convert uh, email traffic converts at ten per- uh, ten or twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Let's say twenty percent. Mm-hmm. If I yeah, want yeah. to increase my revenue next month, should mm-hmm. I pay more for Google advertising or Facebook advertising, or should I send one or two more campaigns to my uh, email subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It depends how much money do I have, but knowing that email contributes so much to mm-hmm. or is such an effective channel, I may try actually increasing the number of campaigns, which is a mm-hmm. leading metric, mm-hmm. in the hopes of actually getting a better result at the logging metric in the end. And because we've actually deducted that or worked backwards, we can say that the leading metric is connected with the lagging metric, mm-hmm. but you need to know the correct leading metrics. And yeah. going through Google Analytics, you can start looking at how things relate to each other mm-hmm. and see something that may not be obvious. For example, every person who visits that page on the website buys 30% more than the other. So we're going to route our traffic through that page. And more traffic on that page is a leading indicator that we're going to get more revenue in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, just recently I checked the influencer marketing, very different from uh, what we do with the agency, but I was curious. And um, influencer marketing is great because you can engage your audience more uh, um, you know, likes and comments on Instagram or, or, or YouTube, and then you will get more traffic. But the question, how you can uh, measure the revenue, what you get from this? And uh, I, I thought about it because nobody has a conclusion or, or a rule for this. And uh, I found that the best way is just um, checking the uh, size of your traffic from Instagram and also check the revenue from that traffic and you can uh, divide the two numbers with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think uh, uh, someone can do it for every channel, uh, for email traffic, for, for ads traffic, or for organic or everything? Or is, it, is there a better way to see the revenue from each traffic source? In Google Analytics, you can see each uh, traffic source, how Mm -hmm. each traffic source contributes to your revenue and what's the conversion rate from that traffic source, what's the bounce rate, and so on. And having in mind or assuming that you've properly tagged your traffic and Mm -hmm. um, you filtered everything because many Google Analytics accounts are a mess. 
much of the social traffic is bundled with referral or with um, traffic that is not identified by Google Analytics. So after this is cleaned up, you can have almost, let's call it very reliable data that Mm -hmm. your Instagram traffic brings you that part of your total revenue. And you can see, should I um, invest in that or maybe not? Uh, What I've seen is that the best strategy is to not expect people from social to buy, but actually to expect them to convert into just a tiny step more engaged people. So they've watched your videos or commented on your uh, posts. Send them to your website and give them something valuable so that they can subscribe to your list because Mm -hmm. you are now putting them on the highest converting track. And even if this dilutes and lowers your uh, email traffic conversion rate, it's still better than trying to push a sale on that first encounter because repeat Mm -hmm. visitors usually convert higher than the the new visitors. That's on every website I've seen. Yeah. You don't uh, want to convert them because they are still on the top of the funnel or maybe middle, but you want to put them into a bottom of the funnel channel, which is email marketing, and then you can send them emails and they will uh, buy in the end. Uh, Let's think of it as warming up. I'm just trying to first uh, put them in a place where they can be accessed later and Mm -hmm. in a channel that's more trustworthy, Mm -hmm. which, as you said, yeah, near the bottom of the funnel. And then they're warming up to the idea that, oh, I like this brand. Oh, actually, they are going to solve this problem for me, uh, which is I need new jacket, for example. And after looking through three, four, five, or six Mm -hmm. or nine of them, I may eventually buy. But if you don't drive your social traffic in a way to capture it in an email list, uh, it's pretty pointless. I mean, yes, there is retargeting, but why pay for retargeting when you can Mm -hmm. actually design campaigns, social campaigns, so that you can put people in your email list? But this turned out into an email marketing episode. (laughs) (laughs) But frankly, that's what I usually advise people to do. Don't pay that much attention to social. Don't force these people, which you interrupted. So you've actually uh, stopped. No, that's another word. Uh, Disrupted their pleasant browsing uh, activity on Instagram to Mm -hmm. advertise them something. Okay, they paid attention. They went to your website. Give them something pleasant that they want in exchange for an email and don't want don't expect more of them but Mm -hmm. start dropping gems in their email inbox because Mm -hmm. they're they're in a different state of mind yeah i agree yeah yeah yeah. um yeah that's a great uh, layout or great uh, pipeline um and not trying to convert them um asap uh, so back to your field. <laughs> so we talked about different uh, analytical tools and I can see guys uh, using Shopify uh, analytics or uh, or something else. Um, and of course, we have Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we have other tools and actually I'm not really familiar with, with other, other tools, <laughs> but I'm curious what you think, what uh, Shopify store owners, marketers should uh, use if they are in the six, seven figure range. Um, Shopify analytics, Google analytics, maybe something else was the best. Uh, sadly, um, I haven't used anything other than Google analytics and mm-hmm. Shopify analytics. So uh-huh. I can speak only for those two. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not what, going what? to ditch Shopify analytics completely. Yes, mm-hmm. look at them, but don't rely mm-hmm. on them for any uh, detailed insight because from my experience with these tools, um, mm-hmm. filtering is not as good. Uh, yeah. With Google Analytics is complex for a per- uh, it's complex for a reason because you have way too many tools there that help you to yeah. filter that gathered data and slice it and dice it and combine it with other things and visualize it in a different way so that mm-hmm. you come to an insight. And mm-hmm. these insights are the thing that is going to be uh, the thing that is taking you in a different direction, uh, different from your competitors, for example. So uh, I would recommend getting more acquainted with the possibilities of Google Analytics because it's free and it's everywhere Mm -hmm. or finding someone that can help you with that because most of the store owners have so much data at their fingertips, usually in Google Analytics, that could be used to generate insight which is going to change the way they advertise, the way they uh, promote their products, the way they uh, put the put the products on the website. When you're looking at Shopify analytics, you see some um, simplified stats like, oh, this product was viewed often, or the traffic from that source is not converting well. Yes, these are some nice AI tricks which you can actually get with Google Analytics. If you're starting out, paying attention to any analytics is better than nothing because I've con- uh, I've worked with uh, five-figure store owners. By five-figure, I mean five figures per month who are actually not looking at Google Analytics or any analytics. And I'm like, how are you running your store? And they say, um, revenue? Isn't that enough? <laughs> and I said, no, if you want to make more, it's not enough. But usually these are people who have wholesale channels or their e-commerce side of the business is not the main revenue driver. Mm -hmm. The ones who actually mm, have just an online store or have a huge uh, amount of revenue coming in from there have learned that they need to get their hands on more numbers. But still, most of the people don't use Google Analytics. optimally in a way that gives them really useful information. Yes, you have a lot of data, but unless you get some insight, you don't have any information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can also feel the difference between uh, retailers or, you know, those who focus on wholesale versus those who focus on e-commerce and online marketing. Online marketers are much more... uh, data-driven, 
uh, ideally. Of course, not everyone. But uh, the good ones, they are uh, data-driven, sometimes even too much, by the way. Um, and, um, and the offline guys, they are less, uh, much less data-driven. And mm-hmm. I think these are two different environments. And usually um, the, conf- uh, the conclusion with most of my clients after they work with me, oh, mm-hmm. now I understand I need to be more data-driven. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I told you. These and these and these numbers, you should pay attention to. These, not so much. Yeah. So uh, the problem with Shopify analytics is that you cannot customize much. You don't have the custom reports in the OS plans. Mm-hmm. And you don't... Uh, filtering is not good. So that's why I move people to Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the other hand, um, I also use it almost every day, but I'm, I just know where I have to go to see what I want to see, and that's it. So I don't go to uncharted territories <laughs> um, simply because it's complex. So I mm-hmm. think store owners, especially uh, you know smaller store owners, they are very busy um they are playing with many different things and they just don't have time and energy to see what is important for them so i think it would be a good uh, help for them just sim- simply explaining to them what they should check like uh, let's say the five or ten most important numbers and not more and uh and where to see that um because as as you said shopify is simple but and better than nothing. But uh, I also check numbers in in uh, Google Analytics versus Shopify, and I could see big differences, even mm-hmm. in the revenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is weird, but uh, it's because of problems with the Google Analytics setup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I also realized there are many factors why this can happen. Even if uh, people buy with a discount code, you you give them a 10% discount code and uh, one uh, software will track the net revenue, other one is the gross revenue without the discount. That's already 10% difference. And I didn't even think about this before. So, you know, there could be differences. Um, But I also, I I think Google Analytics is much better, but it's uh, more complex. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe if they start out Shopify, it's still okay. Um, what's your experience when people should uh, put more uh, effort into analytics? And after my next question would be when they should put more effort into what you do and, and looking for help of uh, what you do. Okay, let's start from the start. Uh, as uh, mentioned earlier, store owners when they start do the website and the first thing they want to do is drive more traffic, usually Facebook and Instagram traffic. And as you mentioned, they look at the Facebook stats. Don't look Mm -hmm. at the Facebook stats. Make sure your uh, Google Analytics is set up properly. Look at Mm -hmm. the Google Analytics stats first. Uh, There is one thing that's very important. You need to set up enhanced analytics. When you Uh, enhanced e-commerce 
uh, tracking is called in Google Analytics. When you search yeah. for that in the Shopify help knowledge base, there are detailed instructions and it's just three or five uh, steps how to do it. And then you have more detailed data in Google Analytics. The detailed data that I'm looking for is the shopping behavior report, which shows how many people are falling off on each step of the basic funnel. The basic funnel is landing on the website, seeing a product, then seeing, uh, then adding it to cart, then starting the checkout. And how do they fall off the checkout is, there is a setting for that, but it's a bit longer. So when you're starting out, this is more than enough to know. And if you're a big store owner, uh, I wanted to add something before that. You mentioned small store owners uh, have too many things to care for. Actually, Mm -hmm. big store owners have too many things to care for too because I've recently spoke with people who are doing six, no, that's seven, seven figures a month, which means eight figures a year. They don't pay much attention to Google Analytics either. And they haven't optimized their website. Uh, They haven't tracked uh, user behavior. They haven't tracked anything. The problem, usually the guy we call the store owner is the business owner. And at that start, they're charged with running the show, growing the business, hiring more people in the hopes that someone is actually going to look at the Google Analytics and tell them, oh, boss, we need to fix that page. You know? 90% of the traffic is dropping here. Something may be wrong. Yeah. So uh, that's the problem with the business owner. They cannot be everywhere and nobody expects them to be everywhere. But I think every store owner is going to benefit if they can read their own numbers. Uh, There is a book by Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes, many people frown upon that book and the ideas inside, but there is something uh, applicable to that case. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the book, he's trying to teach people to read uh, financial statements so that they actually realize what is an expense, what is an asset, what is a liability, what's the difference between profit, revenue, and so on. Just as everybody uh, having a business needs to know the financial statement and to understand what's happening inside. Everybody who has a website that's selling something needs to know the basics. Yes, we have that much traffic coming in. It's converting at that rate. And at the end, we get that revenue. So most of the store owners will definitely benefit from being more data-driven. And now to your second question, when is the right time for people to focus on optimizing their website. Mm-hmm. I'm <clears throat> biased, of course, and I would say from the start, because mm-hmm. if we look at it, uh, almost every step they're doing to better their business and the experience of their customer is actually store optimization, because that's what I do. But usually... I come in at a later stage when they've dialed the whole system and I see some pitfalls, gaps, and so on because I can look through the eyes of the customer. 
because of uh, based of my uh, based on my previous experience. So mm-hmm. again, I'm again not answering the question. So let me answer it. Uh, let's say you've got one thousand people to your website this month, and one or two or three bought. That's not bad. It's not good either. But you probably don't have much data, and you are totally at the stage to understand the data. How can you optimize your website then? The first thing you could do, grab your boyfriend or girlfriend, show them your website, ask them, what do you think of it? Note their opinion. Then tell them, okay, buy this pair of shoes, for example, and go through the checkout and just observe silently. You're going to see many things that you uh, you took for granted, yeah. but actually they are not in your head, so they are not taking them for granted, and they have questions. And because they see that you are next to them, they are going to ask the questions. Note these questions down. These questions are things that you need to integrate into the website, either through mm-hmm. FAQs or notes somewhere, or just changing up the pages so that that issue is not present anymore. Uh, one of the simplest things, put a shipping calculator on the cart page mm-hmm. because uh, otherwise people are going to wonder how much would the shipping cost? Uh, and that information in Shopify is two or three steps after that. Most of the people are not going to start the process because they don't have that information up front. Mm-hmm. So the more information you bring to the front, the mm-hmm. more you reduce the risk of them uh, doing something wrong. So they don't want to be wrong. They want to have pleasant experiences, get your product in their hands and use it and be happy with it. So they don't want to perceive that you don't want them to perceive checking out as a risk. So you need to give them more information so that they have an educated decision. They know, aha, it's going to be, to, to be costing 10 pounds to get that to me. Okay. I'm fine with that. Let's proceed to the next step. So uh, that's when you're starting. And that tactic would be good even if you're making a couple thousand. But Mm -hmm. even better would be if you have access to people who are actually from your potential customers, your target market, uh, uh, try to do the same thing with them, not with any random people. Let's say that you have uh, two or three people on your team now. Probably most of them looked through your website and you've gone through that girlfriend-boyfriend experience with people voicing their objections or concerns of the pages. Now you need to know what your actual customers or potential customers want to uh, are concerned about. So if you have them in a list, send an email. Hey guys, I want to understand more about you. Who is up for a 10% discount or 50 bucks? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, we can do a video call and I'm going to uh, give you a task. It's going to take no more than 20 minutes. Ask some questions. And in the end, you're going to to get a discount code for that value. So this is the way you do user research. And you see how the mind of the user, you're starting to read the mind of, let's not call it user, the customer, 
is interacting with the web page because the web page are yours or the of the persons who set your website the preconceived notions of how things work but yeah. the people who have shopped on other websites for the same product they have other ideas how this product should be shopped for and you want to know these and it's i guess way faster even though it seems more expensive to ask the people that trust you already or are willing to give you their time to tell you this instead of doing um, research on competitor websites because you don't know how the competitor websites work one of the problems my client uh, i see in my clients or actually in people who want to be a client of mine but i don't pay them uh, is we want that feature from that website on our website and i ask why and they say because it's going to convert visitors better and i say why uh because they have it but the fact that they have it doesn't mean this is going to work on your website with your audience, with your demographic, with your design, with your idea of a brand, with your brand. So it's good to try things for yourself on your website. That's why testing uh, buttons, if a red or a green is better, is kind of pointless. Because if your brand has the color red, probably a red button is going to be good. But if uh, if you're, a, let's call it a green brand with green in the logo and green team on the website, green buttons are going to be good too. So it all depends. Uh, let's move further. Let's say that you're a five-figure store, five-figure a month. Well, I've seen five-figure stores who are not paying attention to their analytics, but still, because they have many orders, especially if uh, with a sub-100 uh, order value, people start complaining about things. And people start bugging the customer support staff on the chat. Uh, we couldn't find that. Is it still, still on sale? We couldn't find that product. Are you still stuck in it? Based on the questions people are asking, you can see where the problems are. It's like uh, doing doing a customer discovery, customer interview in reverse. They want to get your product, but uh, they ask for it. They're so uh, in love with the product and the brand that they want to point you to the problem on your website. So mm -hmm. listen to them. Mine the data that you have. Usually these are customer support requests chat transcripts, or any calls that you have recorded or the people who have made the calls noted that, oh, this guy has an issue. Uh, don't let people just solve the issues. Usually the issues are symptoms of a problem somewhere in the funnel, somewhere on the website, somewhere in your practice or your standard operating procedure of a way of handling mm -hmm. things. And bit by bit, the site, the experience, is going to improve. Bigger stores. Ah, the rules are the same, but the scale is different. And yes, while you can interview people and do uh, research by watching people shop on your website, 
you may be better off using some tools that record the visitor behavior, uh, like heat map data or video recordings or surveys if you have a good question to ask in the right place of the website. Based on that data, you can uh, either find bugs on the website and turns out every website has bugs, but we as creators of websites and you as a store owner, you've looked at the website for so much that you don't see the issue and you actually navigate around the issue, which is the problem Mm -hmm. because you've seen it once, it bugged you maybe, and then you Mm -hmm. try to avoid it subconsciously because you want to check for that other thing. And these bugs needs to be fixed, need to be fixed. So the heat maps, the visitor recordings are going to point you in the direction of what to look for. But before that, you need to see, now that uh, you're big enough, you need to see the channel distribution, uh, distribution, the funnel fall off, which means which step of the funnel is producing the most problems, and then dial to the correct page of the website and look for the in-page activity on that specific page. Uh, There is a nice question I like to ask people. After purchase, uh, usually that happens very easily with embedding a Google form on the thank you page after a checkout. What nearly Mm -hmm. stopped you buying from us? And you get Mm -hmm. some cold nuggets in that data. My wife was one uh, that I've seen way too often on a website for a male hobby um, activity. Uh, the other was, I forgot my password, or I couldn't find my credit card, or mm-hmm. we were pairing with a guy to do a, a mutual order, but they didn't pick up the phone, and things like that. All of these are prompts for you to creatively think to improve the experience on the website. For example, uh, you can try to store credit card data for the people who are um, registered customers. There is a way to do it. There are different services and platforms. For some of them, it can, it can be done and it may be worth it. And you can alleviate that issue. Or you can design a way for people to actually make joint cards and joint purchases. It depends on your audience, but you need to get deep and talk to them and understand more of them. So yeah. that's... Uh, did I answer your question, Daniel? Because <laughs> I, I'm um, very used to spilling off topic and talking about so many things. And that's just no. the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it was a great uh, summary of uh, of how uh, store owners and marketers they can uh, use these tools and uh, based on their size and and uh, how they grow they could use different things and they should invest uh, differently into this thing uh, based on the different stages um and as you said i think um people business owners they should use the data the customer uh, feedback, especially that one, mm-hmm. and the complaints 
as a north star or mm-hmm. as a guidance of uh, where they should uh, put their efforts because i think uh, we entrepreneurs we tend to um especially good entrepreneurs by the way they tend to be uh, stubborn sometimes like this is my vision i want to do this and and that's it um <laughs> but we have to be open uh, to the feedback the customer complaints and all of these and uh, we should um, improve the business based on that data um so that's crucial to use the customer feedback for our marketing and develop the business and if there is not enough feedback it's mm-hmm. on you as a store owner to get mm-hmm. data because yeah. that data is going to turn into information and that information you're going to base your decisions on uh, yeah. a, a little bit of uh, side tracking after mm-hmm. you go through google analytics then go through a uh testing of a specific website uh, page or looking at visitor recordings or heat maps for a specific page you may see that people don't look through the whole page so now you have a hypothesis if 50% of the people are just looking at the top of the page what would happen if we remove the rest what would happen if we uh reorder the web page because we believe that as a team that what we have on the end of the page is important but people miss it so these hypotheses are basis for a b tests and i want to clear that out because a b testing is pretty it's a buzzword for the past five years mm-hmm. or more and um starting and experienced store owners Mm-hmm. know that they want to get into A-B testing somewhere in the near future, if possible now. So they have ideas. And mm-hmm. when they come to me with ideas, I tell them no, because these ideas are from your head. And as you mentioned, Daniel, uh, mm-hmm. they're stubborn head. Yes, they want yeah. to test things that they've noticed on their competitor websites, mm-hmm. which is not bad, but yeah, what is the hypothesis? And what data do you base the hypothesis on? It's mm-hmm. always better to base your hypothesis and decisions on the data mm-hmm. of your actual traffic, your actual customers, your actual target market. Because we're getting into the territory where different niches require different niche experiences. And the mm-hmm. more saturated a market becomes, the more people pay to the subtleties that differentiate the brands yeah 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 i i i totally agree and uh my mom said always that uh you have two ears and one mouth <laughs> so you should listen to others twice as much as you speak and um especially marketers they like speaking so so yeah, we should listen to our uh, customers and audience much more. Um, yeah, I, is there anything more that you want to add as an as a piece of advice to to e-commerce folks? <laughs> um, uh, let me try to sum it all up. But the one piece of advice is, if it wasn't obvious through the episode, 
become more data driven. Mm -hmm. uh, if yep. you don't want to find someone that is going to translate the data into insights and uh, is going to tell you, oh, look, people on your website are doing this. I see you want to do that. Let's help them do it by changing this or that on the website. Because you're mm -hmm. driving with, uh, with a blindfold on unless you look at the data in the digital economy and in e-commerce, data is the intuition that a store owner in a brick and more store has because the store owner usually interacts with every person that goes inside or not the store owner, but the store clerk, but the person who is there. And then they intuitively know that, oh, many people look for that thing, but I've put it back in the back. Maybe I should put it at the front of the store. Things like that are obvious in person-to-person -person interaction. But online, we have data for that. So become more data-driven. And mm -hmm. another thing, it's not late, but it's about time to prepare for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are recording this uh, episode uh, on the 3rd of August. I think it will come out uh, three weeks from now. But uh, end of August, early September is the time when we should uh, prepare for Q4, not uh, mid-November. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no the earlier you start, you have more time to look for bugs on your website, which are stopping yeah. your existing traffic exactly. from converting. Then you you have time for optimizing the website then you have time for thinking oh what do i want to promote how am i going to promote it what is going to be the funnel through which people mm -hmm. are going to pass does that mm -hmm. funnel make sense and you're going to have time to test that before november hits and before you ramp up that traffic and actually a better strategy would be if you have the bugs fixed have an idea of what product you want to promote and you have already built the funnel and start testing that to actually invest into growing your uh, least competitive channels. What do I mean by that? Uh -huh. Nobody is going to charge you for sending more email during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yeah. But Facebook yeah, yeah. and Google are going to charge you higher rates for sending uh, for running ads at that period because everybody else is yeah. running ads. Yeah, so yeah. you may want to try to convert some of your traffic to other tracks and channels that at the end of the day, uh, you're going to have more profit because you're not going to pay more for traffic during that period. So yeah. that's my advice, two parts. One is become more data-driven Start preparing for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And if you want more profit, stay away from the high-costing channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are great uh, recommendations. And uh, I can agree with the first two. I think you already explained everything about those. Regarding the last one, so as you said, uh, invest into those uh, channels and um transfer uh, your uh, audience from uh, paid um, 
channels like Facebook ads, Google ads, or from those channels where you have to invest more money into the channel in order to scale, um, transfer those people into channels where you can scale and send more uh, messages without uh, spending more Mm -hmm. uh, on the platform. And as you said, email is a good tool for that. Messenger is a good tool. Mm -hmm. tool. SMS is less because SMS, uh, every message um, takes a certain amount of money, but that's still cheap SMS um, compared to Facebook. And uh, you can uh, make a better website. You can um, make it, it better. And also, I uh, know guys uh, whose uh, website uh, shut down during uh, Black Friday. So that's another issue. So uh, make sure that you prepare. Um, check your uh, website speed and, and, and products. Product pages should work well, especially your winning products. And just uh, double check them because if it happens uh, at the midnight of Black Friday, that sucks. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I could see things like this last year and, uh, that's terrible. That's one of the reasons people go with hosted, um, mm-hmm. platforms yeah. like Shopify because they handle yeah. all the scaling. Your yeah, job yeah. is to run the business, run the mm-hmm. ads, bring the traffic yeah. and make sure that you have enough product to ship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so thanks for uh, all of these uh, recommendations, tips, insights, knowledge. I think you shared a lot with us today. Um, if anyone wants to find you, where they can find you? Well, you can find me on my website, which is rumendimitrov.com, which is R-U-M-E-N-D-I-M-I-T-R-O-V.com. If that sounds too complicated, it's because it's a Bulgarian name. There is a simpler way to actually find me, which is type boostmystore.com. And it's going to redirect to my website. Mm -hmm. And there you can read more articles which have similar knowledge to what you've heard here or Mm -hmm. use a contact form to get in touch. Yeah, that's great. Uh, That's very smart, by the way, this redirecting tool. Um, Yeah, so thanks, Truman. for uh, coming here and sharing uh, all of these with us. And uh, thanks for everyone who listened to this episode. Um, Stay tuned because every Thursday we are coming out with a new episode. We try to share uh, knowledge and insights about uh, e-commerce marketing. And uh, thanks for uh, joining us, Ruman, again. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to talk with you, Daniel. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.